Good morning. How are we today? All right, hey, we, we should be good. It's Easter, right? I mean, we should be really great. I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything that you guys say at your household, but Easter is one of our, our family's favorite day of the year, and we have a saying that we just probably say all day, kind of it starts Saturday, but it's just, tomb's empty, baby. So ki- kids will ask, hey, can I have some Oreos? The answer's probably going to be yes, because why? Well, tomb's empty. Uh, and then the kids will start to use that. Hey, can I have extra screen time? Tomb's empty, baby. And I'm like, eh, you know what? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, happy Easter. My name is Ricky, one of the pastors here. Uh, so, so good to be with you guys today. And, and it's such a contrast from last year. Last year, we're all watching at home, and us here, we're speaking to a screen, and it's like, who's on the other side of that? Uh, so it's so good to be with you guys in person. If you are joining us online, Welcome. Um, but yeah, that we are celebrating the resurrection that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And this is the hope that we have. This is the, ho- the living hope that, that, we're, that we cling to, that, that we have. And it's a certain hope. It's not a pretty sure hope, but it's this certain hope because we all have so many things in our lives that we're pretty sure about, but that they aren't certain. But we wish they were certain because I think, I think you, me, all of us, we know, hey, yeah, pretty sure that that's good, but it's not quite as good as certain. So go ahead and check out this movie clip. Can we even afford this house? I'm pretty sure we can. Pretty sure. With Rocket Mortgage, you can be certain. Not pretty sure. What's the difference? Let me show you. I'm pretty sure these aren't poisonous. Pretty sure these are parachutes. Mine has a sandwich. That's mine. Pretty sure you do not run. I'm pretty sure you can take Batista down. You're on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is trending. I'm pretty sure these hornets aren't the murdering type. I'm pretty sure we can make it. Let's go with certain. Good choice. When you're buying a home, I love the one where he's uh, going over the bridge. It's like, I'm pretty sure we can make it. But I mean, life is filled with a lot of pretty sures. We're we're pretty sure that our kids are going to turn out a certain way if we do certain things. But even then, we're really not sure. Hey, we're pretty sure those investments that we have or that retirement that we have will be there when we get there. We're also not really that certain about it. Uh, we're, we're pretty sure that uh, with this relationship, man, if, if, if I don't mess it up, will it continue? But the thing with, the, with all of those things is we don't really want pretty sure. We want certain. Well, I want to be certain that my kids are going to be turning out a certain way. I want, I want to be certain that this relationship is going to work. I want to be certain that when I get old and everything, that yeah, that my retirement's there and I can actually retire and then not work. That's what I've been working for. Are, are, you, are you pretty sure that that job will be a good fit? You're pretty sure that you're going uh, to like that outfit. And then you get home, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't know what happened, but it doesn't look like it did in the store. What happened to the mirrors? And, and, we, and we, we live in this pretty sure after pretty sure after pretty sure world. But when you think about it, what about the absolute biggest aspect, the most important aspect of your life? life, when it comes to truth 
when it comes to, to who you are, when it comes to God or your future, is that really just another pretty sure that you have? Well, today we're going to be looking in 1 Peter, and the, the, we're going to see because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it's not a pretty sure thing that we have, but it's actually this certain living hope and a joy that we can have because of Jesus. And so, if you got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter. It's really far to the back. If you've gone to like Revelation or 1 John, you've gone a little too far, but it is, it, it's past Hebrew. So, Peter, he's writing to a group of believers that are scattered all over the place, and these believers are having uh, a lot of really tough times being persecuted. They're really facing a lot of difficulties, tough trials, and I think a lot of us can agree that this past year, 2020, 2021, man, it's been a, it a tough year. I mean, maybe for some of you, are like, well, it wasn't that bad, but a lot of us, it, it's just a drag, and it's we get to 2021, it's like, oh, yay, it's over. Oh, my gosh, you know, can it please be over? And it just feels like it keeps going. And so he's, Peter, he's pointing to these people in these difficult times. Hey, how can we have hope? How can you have this hope right now in whatever it is that you're facing? So look at with me, chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so Peter, he starts off, blessed, blessed be the God and Father. He says, hey, whatever I'm about to say to you right now, this should lead you to actually praise Jesus. This is so cool. This is so important. But man, this should move you to worship God. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, let's worship him. These truths are moving us somewhere. And the first thing that we see here is that what, what do we have that's not pretty sure, but it's certain, is a certain new life. A certain new life. He has given us new birth. And this new life, this new birth, it comes to us, and it says, because of God's great mercy. This is actually what we just talked about. If, if, if you're here on, on uh, Good Friday, or even what we're celebrating this weekend, on Friday... Jesus Christ, not this past Friday, by the way, but back then, Jesus Christ died. He paid the price for our sin according to his great mercy, according to his love, according to his grace. He died in our place. And Romans 5, 8 is always one of my favorite ones, but it says God demonstrated his love for us, for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, while you were at your worst, while you were not cleaned up, while you were not good enough, none of those things, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. It's not because of anything that you did, it, not because of you deserved it, you earned it, but it was by his mercy. And so religion says, hey, because if I'm good enough, then God accepts me. But the gospel says, hey, because Jesus is good, he accepts you. Religion says, hey, be because if I am good, then God owes me something. But the gospel says, hey, because you can't be good enough and because you are bad, you actually deserve punishment, but because of God who is rich in mercy, he paid the price for you. He died in your place. And so here we just see, hey, why do we have this new birth? Is because of his great mercy, not because of us, but because 
of him, and he's caused us to be born again to this, this new life, this new birth. And so what does that mean? What is new birth or new, new life that we read here in the text? Well, it, it means a lot. First, new life means new position with God. We're no longer dead in our sin. If you trusted in Jesus, you're no longer uh, dead in your sin. God is no longer holding any of those things that you've done against you any longer. You're no longer dead being separated from God. It means that you are fa- you're also you have this new p- position with God and that you were once far off, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. New life means that you are being free from the penalty of sin. In Romans, it says that we're justified by his blood. That means you're, you're, you're declared not guilty. No longer guilty in your sin or your shame. New life means that you're accredited with the righteousness of Jesus. Not your own righteousness, because you don't have any, but because of Jesus' righteousness. Your sin and guilt went on Jesus on the cross, and then his righteousness has come onto you. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, without the resurrection, we'd still be dead in our sin. But because of him, we're united with Christ. And just like Jesus is alive, we're alive. This is what Romans 6 says. It says that since you have been united with Jesus, united with him in his death, we'll be united with him in his resurrection. We have this this new life. It means this new identity. You're no longer, if you trust in Christ, you're no longer just some sinner. Don't refer to yourself as that way. That's not who you are. You're a son or a daughter of God because he's made you that by his, because of his great mercy. New life means that you have a new heart. You're not just externally new that, that, that oh, hey, you behave different or, or you have a different set of morality or behavior code or anything like that, but you, have, you are new. You're a new creation. You have a new soul. In you, because Jesus has done something amazing in your life. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "If anyone is in Christ, you're no, you're a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has, or the old has gone, the new has come. New life means that you're not only free from the penalty of sin, but you're free from the power of sin. Sin doesn't isn't in control of you anymore, because." You have somebody new living inside of you. You have a new master, and you, the spirit of the living God, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead. So the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you trust in Christ, is the same spirit that lives in you. Romans 8, 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You are new, new birth, new life, new loves, new delights, new joys. Because you are new, being born again, having this new life is not some gaining a philosophy or some behavior management program. It's gaining Christ, this new life in him, with him, new everything. And which which includes a new hope. It says that we've been given a new birth into a living hope. God in his mercy gave us that living hope because he doesn't want us to have a dead hope. A lot of us have dead hopes. Basically, if you have your hope in anything other than Jesus, your hope is dead. And God in his mercy said, 
hey, I don't want you to, to hope in things that are flimsy. I want you to be able to hope in something that is certain. Not pretty sure, not cross my fingers, like, but certain. And we have that hope through the resurrection. And, and when Peter talks about hope here, he's not talking about just positive thinking. He doesn't say, hey, when he says a living hope, he's not, hey, well, just kind of look on the bright side. Be an optimist. Hey, cross your fingers, wish upon a star. That's not at all what he's talking about. This hope is so certain. I mean, imagine yourself writing a $20 check when you have $20 billion in your, your banking account. That's certain. You're like, oh, I have way more than enough to cover it. Certain. Think of it this way. About a week ago, the Husker volleyball team, they played Michigan. Um, and the Huskers won uh, three to one. So let's say this afternoon you go to watch that volleyball game. Now in the first set, they, we lose to, we, that's the first set that we lose to Michigan. Now because I've told you the score or anything like that, are you worried? Are you like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm not sure. No, you're like, well, hey, I'm not sure exactly how every volley and point and, and, and all of that's going to play out, but you're not nervous. Why? Because well, I know the, I know the, end of the, the, the score at the end of the game. I know who wins. I'm not, I'm not pretty sure. I know it. That's the hope that he's talking about, this certainty that we have. And, and, and it's certain and it's real, this living hope that we have, and it's why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Remember who's writing this. This is Peter. The, the, the disciple, the apostle, Peter. Peter saw Jesus die. Peter had a very bad Friday. I mean, if you think about that, hey, what, how would you do yesterday? Well, hmm, I fell asleep when Jesus told me to stay awake, and then um, I sliced the ear off, and then Jesus kind of told me that ain't cool, um, and I was, I was going for his head, you know, I'm a bad shot, and then, hey, and then I was around this campfire when they took uh, this person that I thought that was the Messiah away, and then this middle school girl asked me if I know Jesus, and I was intimidated and lied to her. Right? I mean, that's a bad day. That, and that, that's, that's Peter. And he, saw, and, and he, he knows, man, he sees Jesus on trial. He sees Jesus be crucified. He had a bad Friday and a bad fr uh, Saturday because for him, everything is over. There is no hope. Even on the road to, to Emmaus, Later on in, in Luke, there's a couple of disciples walking when they don't know, they're talking with Jesus, they don't actually know it's Jesus at this time, but they even say, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem us. That's what we had hoped. But it's over. Because why? Because Jesus is dead. All these things that Jesus had, that we had hoped in Jesus, all these things that Jesus said and promised, I don't know if we can hang on those anymore. Man, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, but I don't know what we could do with that now. It's Saturday, and he's dead. Man, Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life. That's weird when you're dead. 
I didn't feel like I have something to really cling on to in, the, in, in this hope. And so, so Peter, he was hanging on all of these promises, all of these things. And man, can they be even sh- sure anymore? Just like everybody that was, that was mocking Jesus when Jesus was on the cross and they're just making fun of Jesus saying like, hey, how can he, how can he save others when he can't even save himself? Man, that seems really true right now on Friday and Saturday. But the resurrection changed everything. Jesus is who he said he is. Why? Because he laid down his life and he took it back up again. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Hope is completely restored. Jesus rose again, and Peter Peter saw the empty tomb. He saw the risen Christ with his own eyes. And so when he's writing this, he says, you have a living hope. This isn't something that Peter's just kind of like, well, these are cool words. He's like, this, no, this is alive. Man, and, and he did exactly what he said he would do. He said, Jesus said that he would lay down his life and that he would take up it again, and he's conquered sin and death. This is a living hope. And we, we all place our hope in something. You place your hope in something. But in many cases, or really in every case, if it's not Jesus, whatever you place your hope in, it has an expiration date. It, it will end. If, if you place your hope in people, they, they, get, they get voted out of office, they, get, they, they mess up, they die, they, they, they don't follow through, they don't do what they say they will do. They make a wrong choice. They don't have the answer. If you're placing your, your hope in things, they will eventually be lost. They will eventually fade away. And even if you get them, once you get them, you're like, <gasps> and then a little bit later, you're like, man, this isn't what I hoped it would be. It's really not delivering, is it? Ideas die. None of these things can save us. None of these things can, can outlast death or outlast the grave. Even think of every other religion. All these people that they look to, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, all these things, they're dead. But Jesus, everything Jesus said and his promises, all of these things are certain. They're a living hope because he rose from the dead. And I know a question that a bunch of us, you know, a bunch of you might be asking is this, well, how do we know that Jesus really rose from the dead? And I'm not going to walk through us all of these reasons and proofs like that, but let's, let me give you three real quick. One, all of the disciples testified to the risen Lord. All of them. All, all, and, and they did this for 40 plus years. And all of them, in all of these decades, they never denied, they never wavered, and eventually they all met their death except for one, and that was John, but he was actually boiled alive. Which maybe he was just like, let's get this over with. In the 1970s with Watergate, President Nixon, if you don't know what that is, look it up. But President, <laughs> President Nixon, uh, there's this scandal and everything. And so to not get caught, because hey, maybe the disciples were lying, but in, in the Watergate, the, hey, the, it was a lie. And there are all, the, all of these, these people in this room, they commit, hey, none of us want to get caught. This will be devastating for us. This will be devastating for the country. And they took these solemn oaths, these promises, hey, this is the story that we've, that we've come up with, and this is the story that we're sticking to. Nobody Nobody wavered. Yes, they've all made this agreement. 
to cover their tracks, within three weeks, all of them gave in. Every single one of them. Some of the most powerful men in the world all gave up within three weeks. And you're telling me that these uneducated disciples were able to keep this going for 40 years. It would, the reason that it's true is because they saw it. They saw Jesus. Second, second reason that we can know that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, one person that believed that, that Jesus was God in the flesh and rose from the dead was his half-brother, James. Now, how many of you have siblings? What would it take for you to convince one of your siblings that you were God? I mean, my kids that are way littler than me, and, and have, I don't think I could convince them I can do like that. I'm God. I try to convince them that I look like Thor, and I don't really know how that works. You know, it's just like, no, uh, you're not him. It's like, well, good one, right? Third, third proof is this, the new life that Jesus gives us. It, it, it is the resurrection's continued work in you. It's dead souls raised to life, changed lives. Peter, the guy who's writing this, again, he went from lying and denying Jesus to that middle school girl, denying Jesus and being this coward to a courageous leader that was willing to face death and imprisonment to all of the religious and all of the different leaders of his day within 40 days. That's a transformation. And, and, and so he has this new life because of the resurrection. And I... I and I would say that's not true of just Peter. I'd say that's true of me. Man, how do I know that Jesus really is alive? How do I really know that Jesus rose from the dead? I'd say because he's given me new life. I, I've, God has just changed me by his grace. He's taken away a lot of pride, a lot of anger out of, out of my life. He has helped me experience Love that, that honestly, many times, it just doesn't even make sense. Because so many times in my life, I mean, even from a very early age, I just thought, man, does, does God really think that about me? Because the moment that I mess up, here's what I usually think. God is just like trying to keep his distance. God is just trying to tolerate me or just does tolerate me. Yeah, Ricky, I love you, but... But... More, like so many times over and over, the Spirit, the Word of God is just telling me, no, that is not who you are. That is not my heart towards you. I love you. Look at the cross. I'm alive. Church, I haven't seen just this new life in me, but I've seen it in you. I've seen so many times where you guys are just, man, hey, we'll be totally inconvenienced we will give away our time. We will give away our finances. Why? Because we just want to show somebody love. Hey, somebody is having this rough time. We will pursue them. We will be inconvenienced. Hey, somebody that, that doesn't belong, you know, in, in, they don't know, think they belong in church or they don't know Christ. Hey, we'll pursue them. We'll invite them into our home. We'll open up our lives. And hey, that doesn't come easy. And I know that that's not just because you're nice or because there's some sort of like, oh, hey, if I do this, God owes me thing. It's no, there's none of it's that. It's because God's changed you. God has this new life in you. God, guys, God is, 
is using you to even just show and, uh, and a proof that he's alive. That the resurrection is, is true. And, and so you have a, if you trust in Christ, you have a certain new life. Not a pretty sure. Not a pretty sure I'm forgiven. Not a pretty sure that I think Jesus paid the price for all of my sin. Not pretty sure that, hey, when I go to Jesus, that I can have this right standing with God. None of it's pretty sure. It's certain because Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. So we, we see because of the resurrection, it's not just that we have this certain new life, but that we also have a certain future. Look with me in, in verse 4. And it says that, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 4, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This living hope is not just the certainty that we're given a new life now, but also that we have this, we have this certainty and an inheritance that we're given, this certain future. And what is, what is that, that, that future? What is that inheritance? In the Old Testament, God promised them, hey, I'll give you the land as an inheritance to Israel. And, and so there, that is this kind of physical inheritance. It is this place for them. And that's what we usually think of when we think of inheritance. We think of something that's, that's, that's physical. But with physical things, it's temporary. I mean, even, even Israel, they, they lost it. Their sin, people came in, drought happened, all of these things happened to their inheritance that just diminished it. But with this inheritance, it's eternal. It's, it's not just the, the life that we have now, but it's the life that we have for eternity, even after we physically die. This, um, this inheritance is the new heavens and the new earth. Just let me read for you Revelation 21, 1 through 6. John writes, then, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trust." worthy, and true. And this inheritance that we have is that, that, man, Jesus raised from the dead will come back and restore everything. No, no, I mean, no other religion in the world has this. There's no mention in, in other religions that God is going to come back and actually deal with every suffering, shame, sin, and junk that we face in our world and come and make all of these things right. Even in modern hope, what is much of what modern hope is placed in? It's just placed in humanity. Hey, people, through policy, through, through education, we'll figure it out. We'll make a better tomorrow. Let me just ask you a question. Looking back on this past year, how's that working? Does that give you any sort of sense of certainty or security that, man, we're going to figure it out. It's right around the corner. 
We will be able to deal with all injustices. We will be able to have a totally loving, peaceful world. Science can't even tell us what that, those, some of those things mean. How do we expect that to deliver us to something? Jesus will put everything right. No more pain. No more suffering. No more sin. No more injustice. No more cancer. No more anxiety. No more shame. No more wondering, what does God think about me today? No, that is gone. Completely. And that inheritance that we get is not just this new heavens and new earth, but it is Christ himself. We get God forever. Per, like face to face. Just like Psalm 1611, it says this, in your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. With you, Jesus. This is an amazing and certain future that we have. And Peter, he uses three words to describe it. First one is this. He says imperishable. This, this inheritance is imperishable. It means it's permanent. Everything here on earth ends. Everything, again, has that uh, expiration date. We even have this saying, nothing lasts forever. There was an uh, episode on a show uh, that we like to watch sometimes called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And the main character is this um, police detective named Jake Peralta. And he finds out that he has gotten this inheritance from one of his relatives. And so all of the, the other officers are gathered there. He's like, hey, open it with me. This will be awesome. I can see what they left me. And they're all pretty pumped because, hey, man, this guy's going to get, he's going to get some money. He's going to get, you know, inherit some really awesome things. So he opens it up. He's like, oh, guys, I got some stock. And it's in Blockbuster. <laughs> and they're just kind of like... Everybody just leaves, and he's like, what, what? What's Blockbuster? He doesn't even know. You know, it, something that used to be worth something, that stock that used to be worth a lot, now is worthless because Blockbuster is over except for one in Oregon. I mean, it's just gone. I mean, it's like Pizza Hut buffets. Where'd those go? They're just gone. We miss them. But this reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He says, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures uh, for yourselves in heaven where neither moth, moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. This, this inheritance that we get lasts forever. It cannot be taken away. Next, Peter describes the inheritance as undefiled. We mentioned that we are being uh, with the new life that we're being saved from the penalty of sin, but we're also saved from the power of sin, but in eternity, we'll also be saved from the presence of sin. No sin, no corruption, no wondering if someone is lying to you. No, no wondering if someone is cheating on you or somebody's out to get you, no sin from others to you and no sin from within you to yourself or to others. J.R.R. Tolkien described the, this future and the resurrection in this. He said, the resurrection is when all sad things become untrue. Beautiful. That's our inheritance. It's, it's undefiled. Last one he says is unfading. Everything around us fades. Health fades. Being in shape fades. Styles fade. Side parts, skinny jeans, I guess that those are a thing that are fading now and everybody's wanting to dress like their grandma. I don't know what happened there, right? 
But hey, I think mullets are keep holding strong, right? <laughs> keep, keep it going, right? But, but things fade. The, the shine wears off. You get that new car, and it's awesome for a month, and then it's dirty. Then it has miles on it. You accomplish something big, and you find out, well, I just have to now accomplish something big next month. Alex mentioned it last week about Tom Brady. After he won his third Super Bowl ring, he said this, man, there's got to be more to life than this. But in this inheritance, there's never going to be that moment for you that you think that this is lacking, or that there must be something more, or that you're going to think, man, this is kind of disappointing. The beauty of being with Jesus will never fade. In his presence, the new heaven, the new earth, it, the shine never wears off because in his presence is the fullness of joy. With him is glory, everlasting love, unimaginable, that we can't even describe. Paul even says, man, I wish I could, I'm praying that you would understand it, but it's incomprehensible. And this for certain future gives us such hope because even when we face, even when, when life is going great or even when we face tough times or difficult times, trials, when we look around us, we're like, man, this is in our ultimate home. We, we, like, we are kind of a little bit like Peter to a degree that right now we're living in a Friday and Saturday. But guess what? The eternal Sunday is coming when all things will be made new and we know that that's going to happen because Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's living the resurrection. And that shows us that death doesn't have the last word. It isn't just go, go to work, try to make stuff, get old, and die. There's a life beyond this life. Not a pretty sure hope that we'll be with him in eternity. Not a, not a pretty sure Jesus will make all things new. Not a pretty sure that there is more to life than this. It is certain. A certain hope because of the resurrection gives us that certain hope. So we see that we have a certain hope and that we have a certain future. And last, we just see that this is reserved for us by a certain power. Again, look with me in 1 Peter. And, uh, in, and into an inheritance, verse 4, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power. Circle, underline, highlight God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice that it says that it's kept in heaven or it's kept by God, by God's power. Your salvation, your new life, your inheritance, your future is kept by God. How much of your life is spent on trying to keep things? I mean, we take vacation to try to keep fresh. We lock our doors or we take vaccines or we take medicine. Why? To try to keep safe or to stay healthy. We watch, uh, we love someone or we watch what we do and say. Why? So because we're trying to keep that relationship. We try to keep ourselves in shape. We set our Netflix account to auto pay so that we could keep our subscription running and keep continue to watch the shows that we've already watched. We're, we're always trying to keep these things going, to keep, them, to keep them with us, to keep them safe. But how much power do you really have? I mean, I can't always keep, even tr keep track of my keys. But it is 
his power that saves us and sustains us. The word kept here indicates this a completed past activity by God, but also a continuing work by God that's in the present that is reserved for you in the future. So it is past, present, future, and it's kind of like reserved, that it's kept, that it's reserved for you. A few weeks ago, over spring break, me and my family, we went to Arizona uh, to get away, and I bought these plane tickets. I reserved them online, uh, and we, we're, the plan was that we'd fly out there on Monday and that we'd fly back Saturday. Had it all reserved, had it all ready. But on Thursday, I get contacted by the airlines and says, hey, your flight's over. It's gone because of this storm in Denver. Okay, well, what I had reserved through you guys is now gone. Why? Because something bigger than you, bigger than the airlines, a storm, God took that away. And now, now all of it's gone just because of weather. I've had hotel reservations that I thought, okay, cool, I'm just going to show up to this hotel and pow, it'll be there, reserved, kept for me. Oh, hey, what's your name? Ricky? Not Richard, by the way. Oh, I don't know what happened, but we have nothing for you. Okay. Awkward. Last year, I had tickets reserved, held for me, kept for me, by the University of Nebraska to go watch their spring game. And then COVID happened. All of those things are gone. Why? Because something that is bigger than them, more powerful than them, took that away. But nothing is bigger than God. Nothing is bigger or greater than his power. Nothing can change. Nothing can change that tomb being empty and Jesus being alive. And so we know that it's, it's kept for us. It's reserved for us in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, by his power. And so, so with your new life, with your future, inheritance, there's, there, there will never come this time, well, something happened. There is no, what's your name again? No, no, that, that, that's not it at all. There's always this, you're always mine. It is welcome home, son or daughter, certainty. Why? Because it is reserved for you by God's power. It's not based on your work. It's not based on, on your doing, your own power, but his. Your, your new life, your eternal life is certain because it's kept for you by Jesus' life. And it's, it's guarded, it's shielded now by that power, past, present, future. Verse 5, it says that it's shielded by him. This is our living hope that it is through him. And so your salvation, it's, it's guarded. It's kept by his power. His spirit fills you. He lives in you. If you've trusted in Christ, Jesus rose from the dead. Death could not stop him. So your bad week, your sin, your shame, your brokenness, your anxiety, your doubts, your messed up past, your sometimes just weak affections and love for him, those cannot stop him because death couldn't stop him. His power is keeping you. His spirit is 
filling you. His love is loving you. His grace and mercy is being lavished on you, and nothing can stop that. His inheritance, he has bought and reserved for you. And all of that, all of that is yours in Jesus who paid it all and rose again. Because of his power, nothing that you can do can mess that up. This is the most beautiful news, the best news that Jesus is alive. And if you trust in him, you're alive, eternal life with him. He's our living hope. And so my, my question for you is this. Right now, today, what or who is your hope in? Don't just flippantly say Jesus. Be honest. Right now, if this is the only hope that we can really have certainty, not just kind of some positive thoughts, not just some, some wishful thinking, but this hope in Christ, the only hope that we can have because he is alive, what is your hope in? Maybe you're hoping in your career. Maybe you're just hoping in getting life the way that you want it to be and being happy. Maybe it is just self-improvement, taking control of your life, your situations, hoping for a better world, a better circumstances. If you're looking to all of those things, my question for you would just be, just like the angel asked them at the tomb, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking to these things thinking that they will give you life when they can't? They can't deliver. They can't make good on their promises. They're dead. Why are you looking for life there? They always fall short. And so my encouragement to you is, man, maybe today is the day that you trust in Christ and say, hey, I don't maybe have all my questions answered. I don't know everything, but hey, I'm going to turn to Christ because he's the only hope that I can really have. And if that's you today, turn to Christ. In, in Right now, turn to Christ. Don't, don't, don't say, hey, I'm going to try to get my life in order. Hey, I'm going to try to stop doing these sins. Then I'll turn to Christ. No, you can't save yourself and make yourself right with God. And you can't even clean yourself up. It's all through Jesus. And so turn to Christ today. Trust in him that he paid the price for your sin and that he rose again in that new life, new sal- salvation is found in him. Jesus is alive, and we have a living hope in him because he has risen. This living hope moves us. I mean, just like in, in there in First Peter where it says, blessed be the God and Father for us today. My hope for you, if, if you have known Jesus for a while, or if, man, if you just trusted in him right now, my hope for you is that it would just move you to praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it would move us to worship him, to have these just even more joy in him. And I'd encourage you, just like verse 13 in 1 Peter 1 says, set your hope, continue to set your hope on the hope in Jesus, on that grace and truth. Because today, when, when, we, when, we, when we leave this building and we go do whatever and hunt, you know, hunt Easter eggs or whatever, whatever you're going to do with your family, or, but you just by yourself, what is the hope that you are looking to? And, and we can go knowing, hey, this isn't something that we're pretty sure about. We don't, we're not pretty sure that we're forgiven. 
We're not pretty sure that Jesus paid it all. We're not pretty sure that Jesus is alive. We're not pretty sure that we have this new life right now. We're pretty sure that we have a life that is promised for us in our inheritance, in our future, that God will restore and make all things new. We're not pretty sure of that. We have a certain new life in Jesus now and for eternity because Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you, um, God, that you are alive. Lord, may that move, just move us to rejoice. May that move us to not um, place our hope in any temporary things, but to know that, that, God, that you have paid it all for us, that we're no longer dead in our sin, we're no longer held by the penalty of sin, by the power of sin, and we know that one day we will not be even held by the presence of sin, Lord, because we know that you are coming back, that tomb is empty. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to cling to that hope more and more. Help us to continue to just live out of the new life in Jesus. And Lord, if, if any of us today right now, are, oh, if any of us just really don't know you, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to turn to you. Lord, with, with, with whatever doubts, with whatever junk that we have, Lord, may we just turn to you right now, today, Lord, because it is of your great mercy because of your work, Lord, that we know that we can be forgiven and we can have new life because of you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us constantly set our hope on Jesus Christ, the living hope. We ask this in your name. Amen.